The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying cool out there, man. It is hot once again here in the Auburn Opelika area on this Thursday, June 29th, 2023. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. Alongside me, as always, is Carter Bird, and we're joined in studio all show long by Lance Dahl of Locked On Kentucky and Auburn Daily. Gentlemen, happy Thursday. Hope you're you're all doing well oh it's great to be here it's always great to be here even especially inside where there's some ac where <laughs> inside it's not a thousand degrees yes. outside. yeah the ac can also be quantified as winds of change because of the positivity that has kind of flown through my my sphere here over the past week it's, it's been it's been a good time man. yeah well as long as again as long as we're inside and not outside i am good to go it is hot so um yeah hopefully you're all staying cool staying hydrated staying safe i mean it's just it's miserable and it's going to be hot for the next couple of days reaching almost triple digits across the state of alabama so uh, enjoy that if you like it. If not, like me, then stay inside. But uh, hope you're all doing well again on this Thursday afternoon. Lots to talk about today. We actually have some Kentucky basketball, good Kentucky basketball updates that we'll get Lance to tell us about coming up in just a few minutes. Of course, he is the host of Locked On Kentucky, so we'll talk about that. We will also talk a little bit more about the SEC ACC challenge opponents will get Lance's thought on that plus the conference opponents for basketball haven't gotten Lance's thoughts on the Auburn and Kentucky perspective so uh, we always like to get him to talk about those things so that's what's coming up here in hour number one hour number two we'll talk about an article Lance wrote about the toughest stadiums to play in in college football coming up in 2023 and where Jordan Hare ranks on that list and why that is the case Uh, and then coming up later in hour number two it's time to start playing the schedule game folks with Missouri and South Carolina we'll work our way all the way through the SEC over the next few weeks uh, when Lance is in studio Uh, we'll talk about every SEC team coming up in college football for 2023 break down their schedule wins and losses while they'll be good or while they'll be bad and we'll talk about that so we'll start that today in hour number two phone lines are open give us a call on the hotline we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 gentlemen let's jump into this thing lands for the first time in what seems like a while we actually have some good positive Kentucky basketball news to talk about they're gonna have more than seven guys on the team now can you believe it (laughs) can you believe something good has happened for John Calipari and the Wildcats so in case you did not see uh and I, I doubt there are a lot of people in the Auburn area that are following Kentucky basketball recruiting but Kentucky is finally I, I assume filled out their 2023 roster and then on top of this uh yesterday they added a commit for the 2024 class baby shack is his nickname Somto we Cyril. gotta quit putting baby in front of I don't like historically it. <laughs> great athletes and just calling this is a a high highly rated high school player but yep. but 
It's a trend that I don't like. And he's a load, too, 6'10", 240. I mean, he's a, he's a physical specimen down low, and he is very, very aggressive on the defensive end. So you see some of those tendencies, but at the same time, like I, I agree with you. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see myself being a fan of that in the future. Uh, I wanted him to reclassify to this year's team. He had the opportunity to. He still technically does, uh, but based on reports, the, he's not going to do so. So Kentucky's roster as of right now I think is is complete for the 2023 season, which is wonderful to say considering just a few weeks ago we were sitting here with only seven players on roster. You've added a couple of freshmen, Jordan Burks, Joey Hart. Uh, you also added a transfer in Trey Mitchell from West Virginia that I think is perfect for what this team needs, somebody that can kind of split time between between forward and center if you want to run a small ball lineup so a lot of good things to go around right one now. of those many kids that transferred out of west virginia with the uh stepping down and removal of bob huggins at west virginia so yeah kentucky was a, a beneficiary of that yeah. no doubt i would i i def i like the way you put it the second time stepping down i mean it's like stepping down at knife point like you you have to <laughs> yeah the, uh, the <laughs> removal no <laughs> like yeah it's it's that was a, a crazy situation for a guy who's going to be put in the hall of fame um it, it will be a hall of famer it's just crazy how that crashed and burned over the last 12 months so lance how does this kentucky roster in your estimation compare to recent history so the thing that I really like about this roster compared to other ones is I like the height that Kentucky has in the front court. Over the past couple of seasons, you've seen Oscar Sheebway be the primary guy there. Listed at six foot nine, I think he measured at the combine as like barely six foot eight. So you've had I think a it was six six seven six seven. Okay, so you've had a six foot seven play forward starting at your center spot for the past two seasons. Just not a lot in the rim protection department for Kentucky over the past two years. And I think you're going to be starting this year a seven footer who is uh, probably I think going to pan out to be one of the best. Uh, rim protectors in the league now is he a scorer no is he physically uh, imposing like does he have a lot of weight a lot of punch to him no but I think he's very very good at shot blocking and protecting the rim Uganda and Yenzo that is and then on top of that you've got Aaron Bradshaw who you added through this freshman class seven feet tall going to play the power forward spot for Kentucky can handle the ball can shoot as well so you've got two guys down low that I think you have to be really excited about when you just talk about length in your starting lineup and as we all know Cal likes to run very short rotation so you're going to see those two guys a lot Bradshaw currently hurt as of right now I expect him to be back for for next year for this upcoming season uh, before the season starts he's not going to be playing in the global jam but as far as it compares to previous rosters Carter I really like not just the height in the front court but also the scoring in the back court for the past two seasons we've seen Severe Wheeler who is five mm -hmm. foot seven at the <laughs> most and you've got two guys in DJ Wagner and Rom Dillingham that I think can be what I've talked about since I started the show the Locked on Kentucky podcast which is you need guys on in your backcourt that are bucket getters that can create and score in isolation and Rob Dillingham and DJ Wagner can do that in space. when you when you look at this team is there still one spot that you're kind of worried about or worried about depth? What is the one area that that gives you hesitation going into this next year? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not really concerned about the depth on this team. I'm really excited about what Kentucky can do one through three because if somebody does get hurt, you've got to do Thierro, who has grown from like 6'5 to 6'8 here in just a year or so, just continuing to develop. And he can play one through three, I think, if you need to. And you've also got guys like Joey Hart uh, on, your, uh, on your bench that can play small forward or shooting guard. Jordan Burks is now 6'9, but he's played small forward the three for most 
most of his high school career. So you've got height, you've got length. I think the thing that concerns me, it's not depth, it's the lack of experience. And obviously mm. that's the concern heading into this year. That's usually the concern with any Calipari team is how is this team going to perform against more experienced teams, especially in their own league. And I think that the SEC, having grown over this past half decade, can, has continued to show time and time again from various teams, Auburn, Arkansas, Tennessee, what have you, they can hang with Kentucky now regardless of the talent that they have because some of these teams do have that experience. So it's just having a bunch of freshmen and seeing if they can gel. But I think something that has to give you positivity hosting Locked On Kentucky and Kentucky basketball fans and maybe even scare SEC fans is the fact that Calipari has gone into the transfer portal and picked up a couple of guys that have experience which two weeks ago they didn't have any of and so I think if you if you look at all that together are Kentucky fans feeling before we get to the phone lines are Kentucky fans feeling better about where this team stands compared to where they were two weeks ago I think that the majority consensus is that fans are, do feel better, but I, I would not say that it's like a it's like a Auburn off season where you flip the script and you say things are going to be really good this season. If they're not, I'm really excited about the future to come. It's just like they're okay. It, it's kind of like a okay, great. Now now show me what you're going to do with this team. It's exciting to see these different pieces, but show me what you're going to do. After this phone call, I want to ask you about this Kentucky roster compared to other SEC rosters, including Auburn. You just mentioned them about how they pretty much flipped everything and they said, okay, we are hitting everything super hard. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. Get to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Shane, you're on the line. What's up, man? Hey, guys. Um, did you just say for the past two years they they have not had someone down protecting the rim? Well, on defense, they haven't. She Sheway was legitimately bad on on defense, and that was his biggest. How, how, how many rebounds did that that guy have? Uh, Rebounding and different and defense are Doesn't are correlate. different. I mean, I mean, do you not get the ball on defense? Is that that's, that's also a rebound, but, but, right? Pr- protecting the rim and rebounding are different things. Like if if I go if I get downhill and I'm going at the bucket, Shibway wasn't that that guy to go protect that protect the paint protect the rim. He would rebound. Yes, he was one of the best rebounders yeah. we've seen in what maybe wanna, ever this, in college basketball. Yeah, I want to. I, I I mean I, I want to disagree a little bit. He he maybe he wasn't a, a superstar like a Zion or something, but uh, I I don't, I don't think you could get much better that. Uh, than Kentucky has with that guy the past two years. Well, I mean, you may not be able to get better rebounding numbers or even offensive numbers where he would go from 20 and 20 every third time he stepped on the floor. But, no, I, I agree with Carter and Lance. I think that when you look at Shibway on the defensive end, sure, he was a body and he was built like a truck, right? But he wasn't super, super tall. And the bigger guards in the SEC were not afraid to go after him. And, and sure, yeah. I mean, he affected their shots, but nothing like we saw Jani Broom do or or Walker Kessler do or anything like that? Yeah, because that's, they're on Auburn's team. <laughs> um, anyway, um, the la- last point is uh, nobody is afraid of Kentucky anymore. Um, not, not even the, the the smaller SEC teams. No, no one no one fears them anymore. I don't think there's a fear with anybody. No one fears anybody anymore. I think it's, we each team really truly believes that they can win against anybody right well, now. and I think to, yeah, Lance's, to Lance's point I think these teams can compete with Kentucky whereas for 20-25 years nobody in the Southeastern Conference could legitimately oh, yeah. compete and I think that now they can and I think there's more of a of a confidence Parity. that they can run with Kentucky 
and there's a parity. I mean, there's not it's not just one team or or maybe two teams. Right. There's there's Kentucky, Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn, Arkansas. You know, it, it's it's awesome. Uh, it's it's been fun to watch the past mm-hmm. few years transition from one team to a, 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 a league. Yeah, no doubt. All right, guys, where are you going? Yep, appreciate the call, Shane. Good to hear from you. 334-321-1390. And like I cited what you said, Lance, it is because of other teams in the SEC, like all yep. the ones he just named, that have gotten better over the last 10 years in college basketball, where that fear of, oh, crap, here comes Big Blue Nation, that doesn't seem to be as big anymore. What's the perspective of Kentucky fans on that side of it? Yeah, the investment into SEC basketball has certainly created a lot more parity in the conference, and it's quite literally at this point, it's like half the league like is extremely competitive. And it, honestly, if you if you want to look at the entire thing, it's like night in and night out. It's so difficult to win on the road. We, that's yes. something that we've been saying for mm-hmm. for years now. At this point, the Unless SEC you is, played it like at LSU last year. That yeah. was like the only place, or that was the gimme. <laughs> There was that that South Carolina oh, team would get say. the doors blown off them at home, but then went to Rupp and won. It makes no they, sense. They were a actual an actually scary team, kind of on the road, but they were horrendous at home, and it was backwards. It made no sense. But but from from Kentucky's perspective, I think that it's something that that it, it's kind of similar to maybe like. I, th- I think this is a bad comparison, but just follow me here. Like Clemson, like their fan base, where it's just like it feels like the rest of the the, pe- the players around them have kind of caught up to them in a way. It's just like, well, our recruiting no longer allows us to do X, Y, or Z anymore, and we are kind of stuck in our old ways. We aren't getting into the transfer portal. We're not doing all these different things, and we could be. That's the thing is we could be modernizing our offense. We could be getting into the transfer portal a little bit more heavy, and we could be getting better players to suit more success in the postseason. But as of right now, we're not doing that. And so I think a Kentucky Wildcat fan's perspective on the way the SEC has changed I think is a little bit skewed because it's it's not necessarily like – it, the, I think the the majority of fans look at it and say, we have fallen behind instead of they have caught up. I think they acknowledge the fact that the SEC has gotten better, but it's more of a focus on the fact that we as a program have failed to succeed in these different areas, which by, I think is arrogant as I'll get up. But. By the way, South Carolina last year won four conference games. Three of them were on the road, just to not make any sense at all. Well, and and I think to to what you were saying just then, Lance, it seems like that narrative with Kentucky fans of we've taken a step back more than SEC has caught up, I think that has to do with the fact that John Calipari has one national championship, and it was 10 years ago. Like I think that has a lot to do with the fact that everybody else has caught up because, look, Kentucky gets the best of the best whenever they want, but the guys right under them, they're starting to go to other SEC schools like yeah. Auburn, yeah. like Alabama, like Arkansas, like Tennessee, mm-hmm. where they can have a chance to make a run in the NCAA tournament, which over the past five or six years, Kentucky has not done. Yeah, it felt it feels like they have not they haven't really threatened to go on a run to win a championship in a while. Or at least that's that's the perception and the way I feel. Maybe maybe there's a year that was closer than they were closer to making a deep run but Lance I mean Cal is the Jimbo Fisher of college basketball and that's something that I I said tried to say to on on my show maybe three or four weeks ago whenever things were really in the gutter I'm like even if things do turn around let's be realistic here this roster is not set up to win a championship it's not 
It's just not. They may be. I, I've continued. I, have, I even said this on yesterday's show. This team is going to be a highlight reel. There's going to be so many different things that happen within games that it's just like, wow, what an athletic play by Justin Edwards. Wow, what a crazy shot by DJ Wagner. It's not going to amount to postseason postseason success, which at the end of the end of the day is what this uh, fan base is starving for. Look at or look at college basketball. And who are winning national championships? It's guys with experience. It's yep. teams that have experienced guards. They have just experience on the team in general. And that's just not something Kentucky ever has. Because, look, credit to John Calipari. He's fantastic at putting guys in the NBA. But that hurts you as a program long term. And I think that's where we sit right now when it comes to Kentucky basketball. Want to compare their roster to Auburn's roster when we come back. Plus, we'll get to the phone lines. Ed, hold on. You'll be first up when we come back here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. On the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's get to the phone lines here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. Ed, you're on the line, man. What you got? Hey, guys. Hey, I won't take up uh, much time. Uh, uh, I was just going to, since you're talking recruiting uh, and, and well, like you were kind of alluding to with Kentucky, it, it is it's hard on the basketball coaches, especially right now. You 100%. know, uh, it, yeah, you got to juggle the, the five star that you want, and and you know the kid that's going to stay with you for a couple of years. And so, yeah, it's difficult. But I, I, uh, two things. Uh, well, one thing, really, don't you think it's time for the, the them to look, I would say, like in the middle of July, an early signing period for football so that high school players can concentrate because most of them, you don't see a whole lot of flips up that, you know. And, and it, the college coaches, uh, it, it's, it, it would just, it, it just makes sense to me. Yeah. I, I, I know it's been something that's been discussed was moving that early signing period in December and move that to uh, kind of the back end of the summer because right now the football calendar for just fo- football coaches, it's, it's, atrocious. it's not feasible. To, like you, you can't live a life doing what it currently is because it's you get two weeks off yeah. and like we're in the middle of that right now because it's about to pick back up after the uh f- the fourth of, of july i mean the calendar you're gonna have a lot of coaches leave the college coaching profession if they don't figure yeah. something out better with this calendar yeah I, I just think you know if you get it like in the middle of july mm-hmm. and, and that way the kids and the coaches then they and the coaches you know to keep those kids in, in addition to coaching and all the other things they're doing in the fall, they've got to make those calls every day to those recruits to keep them till December. You know, it, it, it just seems to make too much sense to me. But, but anyway, guys, y'all stay cool and uh, take care. Appreciate the call, Ed. Good to hear from you. 334-321-1390. And, and he makes a good point, and I think that's why you see – 
Um, especially with basketball, but football too, you're starting to see older generation coaches and just older age coaches start to fizzle out. Look at basketball. Yep. You've seen all the big names, Coach K and, and, and Bayheim and, 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 and Tom Izzo, all these different coaches that are on the way out are already out the door. And that's why we've talked about with Nick Saban at Alabama, it's stuff like this that will eventually take him away from the game because yes he's older in age but he just can't keep up with a thing like this anymore and unless you're somebody well, I think if anybody can at that age it's him well yeah but <laughs> you're having to adjust so much from what made him successful yeah. and what made him great compared to a younger coach like a Hugh Freeze or like a even like a Brian Kelly at LSU who can still adjust to the way the game is now when it comes to recruiting and the crazy calendar that exists I also wholeheartedly uh do not believe what he apparently told the 2025 receiver ryan williams on a recent visit that he's going to coach until he croaks apparently no way i'm i am steadfast in my belief that by the three years from today he will not be the head coach at alabama i think sooner I believed that statement at one point in time where I thought there was a time where Nick Saban would have to be put in a coffin and taken off the sidelines, but I don't think that's the case anymore because of all the things, a lot of the things that Ed just talked about. And I'm just really curious to see how Nick Saban wants to end his tenure in Alabama. Is he going to do it with an 11-2 and season this year? Is he going to do it with a 9-3 and or an 8-4? and That's what I'm saying. So like, if he, if he has a stretch here despite the recruiting, despite the talent acquisition, where they just can't figure it out on the field, especially on the road, they end up losing games. He's never had, if I'm not mistaken, he's never had a season where he's lost more than two games at Alabama prior prior to his first season, correct? Or post his first season, right? I think that is correct. So Alabama would be entering a world as a fan base and as a program they have not seen in over a decade, if I'm not mistaken, a decade plus. I'm just really curious to see how Nick Saban, if he has one of one or two years where they hit a nine and three, they hit a ten and three, they hit an eight and four or a nine and four. How does Saban decide to cut this off? If they go nine and three this year, is there a movement in the Alabama fan base to say the old man is washed. We need to figure out what's next. It would be it would It'd be, be crazy. It would be wild, but but I I wouldn't put it past the I, fan base. I wouldn't put it past a portion of the fan base. <laughs> I, I I come back to the to the tweet that I saw. Uh, somebody Saban was making some comments about uh, college football and their place in college football, and I saw some Alabama fan respond. It was some young like freshman in college Alabama fan or something saying yeah college he's kids. saying Dark he's saying kids. a lot for a guy who's won one national championship in the last five or six years or whatever and it's just like that's such an abs- absurd statement so to ever bad. see written out uh i looked it up just to confirm alabama outside of 2007 and nick saban's first year they were 10 and 3 in 2010 okay, 10 and 3 and but other other than that everything's been zero one or two losses for them and so it, you guys were talking about alabama fans if what if they start calling to replace nick saban it's kind of like the cries we've been hearing about Kentucky basketball yep. with John Calipari. Yep, except Nick Saban has won on so much more correct of a of a level that I think it would be possible. 
I think it's very possible that parts of the Alabama fan base, the loud parts of the Alabama fan base, and there's a lot of them, that would come out and say, not like, okay, we need to let this guy go, but start to have, at the very least, those conversations of like, okay, how is this going to end? Like, do we do we do this now? Do we wait? Do Like, what do we do here? Did we ever get around to the complete list of names that I, that I thought could re- replace him at I think, Alabama? I think we talked to one or two. Dan Landing is, if I'm Alabama, that is number one. That is number one without a doubt. Number two, and I think the door the door is open a little bit right now with the recent history where he's at despite his success. Billy I, think the, I think the door is cracked open for Dabo Sweeney to potentially come back to where he played college ball, come back home and take over for Nick Saban. I'm not sold on that right now because I think he's still – even with the the ever so slight decline that Clemson has been on here recently, man, that path is pretty daggum. I just think he missed his window. I think the window for him to make that jump is gone. Maybe. Well, I mean, the window was never really open. No, for him. but <laughs> no, but I think there was a time where he would have really, if they have come knocking right, he would have considered it. But I think mm-hmm. he's been at Clemson long enough to where he has such a legacy and he has such a it's not a free ride. That's not the right way to say that. But he puts in the work, and the success is there every year. Why would you leave that, right? Yeah. Why would you tarnish whatever you've built at Clemson and your reputation in college football? Well, he's, just, he's never going to. I mean, he's always going to be the best coach Clemson's ever had. Yeah. But he he would have an opportunity to go home to a place with more resources, where theoretically, I mean, everybody wants to go to their alma mater. I mean, everybody does. We'll talk SEC ACC challenge with Lance Daw when we come back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins, Carter Bird next to me, and Lance Dahl in the studio as well, host of Locked on Kentucky and contributor for Auburn Daily. Go ahead and plug everything you got going on and where they can find it, man. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore AuburnDaily.com. Get all of my written work about the Tigers over there. And then the Locked on Kentucky podcast wherever you get your podcast, also on YouTube if you want to go subscribe over there as well. Well, speaking of Kentucky, we're going to talk that and Auburn because yesterday uh, we got the SEC-ACC Challenge opponents. Uh, Carter and I did a number on the on the matchups yesterday a little bit, so want to let you have the floor a little bit talking about uh, the matchups that we're going to get in what used to be the SEC Big 12 Challenge in college basketball. It's now the SEC-ACC Challenge. Uh, Auburn men's basketball will host Virginia Tech on Wednesday, November 29th at 8.15 in Neville Arena. And then Kentucky on Tuesday, November 28th will host the Miami Hurricanes inside of Rupp Arena. And Lance, something I talked about yesterday, I am, it makes sense and I understand why they did it, but it's really disappointing to me outside of just the matchups themselves. It's really disappointing to me that they moved it from late January to late November. Mm-hmm. Again, I understand why they did it because it puts it in uh, it puts it in the heart of non-conference schedule, 
but I really, really, really enjoyed um, playing that out of conference big time matchup game right there in the you know the heart of conference play where you're not halfway through but just about halfway through conference play. Um, you got to take the weekend off. You had an entire Saturday of just the SEC Big Twelve Challenge. I just thought that was a lot of fun. I thought it was special. It was unique. And now what this seems to be is just another non-conference game, in my opinion. It comes down to what you value as as a consumer. Do you value the early season non-conference matchup against two top 15 teams? Or do you value, in the in, like you said, in the heart of your conference schedule, going to play a Kansas, going to play an Oklahoma, going to play a Baylor. Uh, it, it really does add some significance, and it, allow, it allows you to kind of get a feel for what March is going to be because we've seen some really big-time games, especially over these past two seasons, from this SEC Big 12 Challenge, and I agree with you. It's been fun, and I've really liked the fact that they've stuck it right there in the heart of when things get serious for college basketball. It kind of helps, allows, if you're, if you're into – uh, I, I guess, you know, just kind of perspective. I, I don't, I don't want to necessarily say TV ratings, but just kind of like perspective on setting things up for March. I think it kind of in the back of our minds kind of does help do that um, and kind of reignites the excitement that have, may have dwindled in the middle of January for some casual consumers out there. Well, I talked yesterday about it's a, it's a chance when it was the SEC Big 12 Challenge in late January, you had a chance to build your resume and you just kind of talked about that as well. And half the matchups weren't trash. Right, and the game actually means something because we know when you come, when it comes down to the middle of March and the tournament committee comes together and they're trying to pick the 68 teams that make the NCAA tournament, they're going to value that out-of-conference win in late January a heck of a lot more than they're going to weigh in this game in late November mixed in with every other non-conference Absolutely. game because we all know, all of us in the studio and all of our listeners – the team that you play in November is a completely different team that you play in March. It's just a fact. And so I think with moving this to November, you lose a lot of impact of what these games mean on the schedule and on tournament resumes. I Also, something that, that kind of irks me, and, and y'all can correct me if I'm wrong here, I don't care how late a game is played, but the fact that no game here is played like Pat, like every single game is 6 p.m. on, and if you're on the East Coast, which it's the ACC right here, you're going to be playing some of these games starting at 9:15. Like, why does every single game have to be 6 p.m. on? Why do we have to split it up into two into two days? Why couldn't we have just started earlier and spread them out a little well, bit more? How about the fact that they just decided we're going to play all the games at the same time? Yeah, and right? just have them all overlap each other, where it's really difficult to watch multiple games at once. I hate this. Everything about this is bad for for the SEC. I guess it's not bad for the ACC because they like clearly had some say to not have Texas A and M just whoop Vatek in the Buzz Williams Bowl. Uh, not have Auburn or not sending Virginia to Auburn and having to die. maybe the a top three environment uh, in Neville Arena history. Like I hate these matchups. I hate the times. I hate that we're playing in the middle of the week. I hate that we're playing in November. ESPN botched the whole thing. They did. And it's, it's, this is all around worse. This is worse for the game of college basketball. So, Lance, in your opinion on the matchups, you can talk about them in just all of them if you want. Obviously, Auburn hosting Virginia Tech and Kentucky hosting Miami. Your thoughts on those two and then the other matchups because we, we've made our voice heard about what's going on in this SEC-ACC challenge. I think some of these are 
some of these are clever. I, I do like the the fact that you play uh, Tennessee and North Carolina. I think is is a yes. good game. But you you always were going to have to have three or four good games, and I still think two of those four could have been better. I think that the Clemson and Alabama game is fun simply for the fact that it's got the football tie, and that's why people will watch it. It's literally the only reason why people will watch it. I do like. I relate some of these to football for for some reason. I do like the Texas A&M uh, Virginia matchup. I think that that is going to be a fun game because of the way that Virginia plays their the, the style of basketball that they play. Texas A&M be, being so experienced on the road, can score. It's, it's, <laughs> I think it's going to be fun. They're going to score in the forties. It's going to be the the uh, what Auburn the, Northwestern the, the Auburn game. Northwestern game all over again. I think the I think the Duke Arkansas game is going to be a lot of yes. fun. That may be the best game on, on board the schedule. There. Maybe the best. Bud Walton is going to be a zoo I for think, that game. I think that when you're looking at you know the state of these different programs across the conferences, I think they 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 got all of these games, these matchups, pretty even. Is is what I think I, I like about it. LSU and Syracuse, Missouri and Pitt, I, I think is another fun one, especially considering that one's on the road. Uh, the the thing that I actually hate about this the most, and this is from a Kentucky fan's perspective. Why on earth did the Wildcats get Miami? I, again, I understand to go back to kind of like the, the same even, thing for Auburn and Vatech. Like the like maybe like it's just kind of I I I don't. You had the opportunity to give them Duke. I literally like they haven't played since like 2018, 2019, right? If I'm not mistaken, like this has been a, a series when, that Duke when's is, the uh, last time Kentucky played UNC. Gosh, it had. Well, don't to, they play in that? They play in that CBS Sports Challenge or whatever. Yes, don't they, they? They play in the they play in the cla- the CBS Sports Classic, Classic which yeah. is out in like uh, out west in like Vegas. And it's normally like what them, North Carolina, Ohio, Ohio State, State, UCLA, and UCLA. Yeah, and sometimes I think they rotate in another team. I can't put my finger on right now, I, but it, it's yeah. it's all different blue teams. Whatever, it doesn't matter. But point <laughs> being. Kentucky could have gotten a better matchup here. I think that they could have swapped Duke. Miami and Arkansas uh, Arkansas would have been a great game. Why didn't just give just give the fans what they want? Well, I made a statement yesterday and you can tell me if I'm wrong. I said that Miami going to Rupp Arena will not get Kentucky fans excited more than any other game at all. I mean, Carter no. said that the fans will be there, but they're always there. This is not a game where they're going to be like, yeah. oh, circle Miami on the calendar. Like, no, it's another non Kentucky actually game. cares about Miami at all as a basketball yeah. program. You know who they do care about, though? They care about Duke. And UNC. Those, and they, those two would have made waves. I think that also bringing Notre Dame in would have gotten some attention just based on yeah. the recent history in that, in that rivalry. But um, Duke and North Carolina. You know what I, I wanted more than anything? I wanted them to send Notre Dame to Baton Rouge or to Gainesville. Just give Please. give Notre Dame just a culture shock. <laughs> just send them to send or, them to or Arkansas. Send them to Auburn, man. I, I'd love to see somebody curb stomp Notre Dame any day well, of the week. When I look at Auburn's matchup with Vatek, I think that's the most boring matchup Auburn could have drawn. Like, at all. Even Boston College. You have a Bruce Pearl connection there. He was yep. a student manager on staff. Yep. Clemson, you lost to him in the tournament a few years back. Miami, you lost to him in the tournament a few years back. Everybody else, even Wake, you can at least tell me, like, oh, like, Chris Paul and Tim Duncan, that's more fun than Del Curry? I, look, I looked it up <laughs> for fun. The last time that Duke traveled to Kentucky was 1957. I talked about this on a recent episode, how it's only been neutral side games. I'm like, why on earth wouldn't you let Duke 
play at Rupp Arena or like Kentucky go play at Cameron Indoor? Yeah, Duke, Duke came to Kentucky in 57. Kentucky went to Duke in 1958. And according to this, it looks like Duke came to Kentucky. My apologies. Looks like they came there in 1969 for okay. the UK, UKIT Championship in 1969. And either, ever since then, it's been neutral site between these two squads. I'm just frustrated that they sent the most irrelevant team in the ACC to Auburn. Even, send Louisville and let Auburn drag the dead husk of Louisville basketball up and down the court <laughs> At least for it's a big minutes. name. Yes, FSU the same. Like FSU's been better here yeah. recently. So, but like Pitt, they made the tournament last year. Georgia Tech, that's like historic SEC rival there. Like that makes some the sense. The Auburn Tech rivalry All in general. All of these other, every other answer possible would have been more interesting, more fun, and better for Auburn. I've never seen a more eight nine seed matchup in my life than Missouri versus Pitt. Like never. <laughs> that that is the the epitome of an eight nine eight nine matchup. I mean, that's like yeah. I I sincerely believe this. The SEC is going to roll in this challenge. Well, this let's year. let's make the picks. Let's make the picks right All now. Right. Looking, I know it's late June, but they're going to smoke them. I'm putting this on a Google Doc. Go for it. Well, look, let's just start. We'll start with the games on Tuesday, and then we'll go into the games All right. on Wednesday. All right, LSU Syracuse. I'm going to take Syracuse. I'm going to take Syracuse because at home. they have more experience. And LSU was awful last year. Yep. Yeah, and LSU was terrible. I'm going to take Pitt at home against Missouri. Maybe, yeah. I think that's that's a, it's closer to a toss up, but I, but I, but I'll go pit on that one. I can't go against Dennis Gates. He, he's he's incredible. Give me Mississippi State on the road at Georgia Tech. Yep, I'm with you there. I will take Mississippi State as well. I'm gonna take. It's gonna be surprising. I'm gonna take South Carolina at home against Notre Dame. I'll take South Carolina. I don't know who's on South Carolina's team anymore. I'm giving like, them the edge because they're at home, which doesn't Gigi say much. Jackson's but gone, and they were trash with a guy who was a first-round draft pick, so I can't imagine what they're going to be like going forward. But Notre Dame hasn't been good. Yeah, but I'm. it's a wash. I'll go with South Carolina at home just because they're at home, which, as we know from last year's right. is <laughs> It a, doesn't mean a anything. Weakness, actually. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm going to take... Notre Dame by double digits. By double digits. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. This one has a have, lot of meaning to you. Have you guys seen how South Carolina's played at home in non-conference games for the past like half decade? It's just like every other game they either almost lose or they lose in embar- in embarrassing fashion. Hmm. They beat Clemson in non-conference play last year. I know Ooh, that. Clemson. <laughs> they did. There you Battle go. Of mid. <laughs> well, hey, this, hey, Clemson was a bubble team. They were a, a bubble team. Bit. They Battle were. Battle of mid. <laughs> <laughs> How about Miami going to Kentucky? We're just picking these for fun. I'm, again, it's late June, but just to, just to go Miami's through these. I think Miami's going to be really good. I'm fired but, up right now. But, but I'm going to take, take Kentucky and Rupp. I will take... I will take Kentucky and Rupp as well. Yeah, I'll take the Cats and Rupp. I'm really interested in this matchup. I know we've we have just dumped on these matchups, but NC State and Ole Miss. I think this could well, be yeah, a lot of fun. This is the fifth best matchup on the table, and it, it, like outside of the top four that you you knew were going to be at least lauded as better matchups, which is Arkansas, Duke, Tennessee, uh, UNC, Miami, Kentucky, and Virginia, Texas A&M. Those are all teams that finished that are huge names that finished in the top four or five in their conference last year. This one, 
I'm so, I sneaky think Ole Miss is going to kind of dominate this game. Yeah, this is like a 7-10 matchup. If we're just comparing this to the NCAA tournament, I'll take Ole Miss at home. Yeah, I like Ole Miss at home as well. I think Alabama will beat Clemson. I think they I just agree. have enough talent. I don't know what Clemson's going to be. Um, I'll take Alabama here. I know, I mean, we're a long way away, but uh, let's see. Yeah, we'll pick the rest of these games on the other side. We'll get to them. You've got some big ones, the big ones, really. Tennessee, North Carolina, Duke, Arkansas, Auburn, Virginia Tech. Uh, even, heck, if you really want to get frisky, Boston College and Vanderbilt. I mean, we'll we'll talk about these games on the other side as we wrap up our number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Wrapping up our number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goetz, Carter Bird, joined by Lance Dahl in studio, picking the SEC-ACC challenge matchups because why not? And uh, we went through the games on Tuesday. Now for some of the more exciting ones on Wednesday. And look, our picks may change before uh, between now and November 28th and 29th, and they probably will, but it's fun to do it anyway. So Tennessee on the road at North Carolina, probably the second best game on the lineup in this SEC ACC challenge Rocky Top heading to Chapel Hill what an exciting game man and, and I yep. will Crowd I'm gonna will give amp yeah I'm gonna say North Carolina because they're at home I'm saying Tennessee can somebody tell me what Tennessee has done in terms of transfer portal this offseason they added a bunch of kind of pieces on the outside <laughs> a but, bunch of kind of pieces that's <laughs> uh Biscovi's back I know that oh my gosh at least Plavsic is gone, right? Yeah. Yes. At least the yeah, worst player in all of college. I actually devoted half of a segment to celebrate on my podcast to celebrating him being gone, eradicated from the thing that we know and love that is college basketball. I'm sure that went really well on your Locked On Kentucky podcast. I, oh, my intro was, you know the, you know the man, I hate Tennessee meme of the Alabama. <laughs> yeah. That was my show intro, and oh, then God. I played it as the outro. It was beautiful. There, <laughs> I, there was music. It was great. So they lost Plavsic. B.J. Edwards and Kamawa. Kamawa went to Michigan. They brought in... Oh, wow. What school is this? My Locked On Vols host has told me that it's pronounced Kamwa. Do with that what you will. Hmm. Well, look, I think Tennessee... They brought in the Northern Colorado transfer, Dalton Necht, who was a four-star transfer. Dude was they a brought bucket in a, getter. a Harvard transfer, Chris Ledlam. Uh, Utah State transfer, Jordan Ganey. Bucket getter. Uh, and... I think that is it. I want to say they brought in they brought in a coach's son, an assistant coach's son, the, the transfer from a small school. I did I I right. remember seeing that as well. Well, look, it's a big game for Tennessee and Rick Barnes is still the head coach, so give me North Carolina. Here's how this is going to go. Is Ziegler going to be on the court at that point in time? Probably I not. Guess not. Yeah, not in November. That would be a really fast comeback for him. I don't think he's going to be ready until conference play. Here's that how- would be the earliest, I would think. Tennessee will shoot like four of 24 from three. They will shoot terribly in this game. It will go to overtime and North Carolina will win. Wow. What a prediction. <laughs> this is how it's going to go. What a prediction. I'm taking Tennessee in that, in that game. What about Texas A&M, Virginia? Lance, you talked about this one catching your eye earlier. Um, it Just looking ahead at these matchups, 
this could be a lot of fun. It could be really boring, but it could be fun at the same time. It, what are y'all talking about? It's not going to be fun. They're not going to make shots. This it's going to come down to the wire, though. This man doesn't believe in one of the one of the best statements, phrases in all of college basketball. Virginia basketball is a thing of beauty. No, it ain't. No, no, <laughs> no it's not. Listen, don't man. want that in my life. Listen, I think that this is going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be a competitive one because you have your experienced Texas A&M team that has like. 30 players that have been there since 1982, and then you've got Virginia, who just does not care. You could start, the, it could be the Washington Wizards, and they would just be like, cool, you're not scoring more than 75. It just, it doesn't matter. Just have fun. It, but yeah, I think that, I think that Virginia will take this game because it is at home. I want mm. to I want to see them win in this situation. It'd be a big win for A&M to get early on in the season. So this was... The last quote I found on Ziegler on April 23rd, Rick Barnes said, we hope we will have him by the start of the season. And they're not having him. I just think that's really quick. Said I, that, that, that is they, really they fast. They are going to make sure he's 100% before they put him out there, though. Yeah. If, if, I know, if I know anything about college basketball coaches talking about players that have injuries, he will be out until like the third SEC game. And that's sort of what I was thinking on him was was conference play. I mean, you would be rushing him back to get him in November. I mean, and 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 again, why? Why would you rush him back in non-conference games that they matter, but not all that much? When it yeah. comes to your tournament resume, they just don't matter. Now, record-wise, sure, but we know they weigh conference games uh, a lot more. Duke, Arkansas. I think the game of of the not the weekend because it's in the middle of the week, but the game of the challenge, if you will. The Blue Devils in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Carter, you tell you talked about how uh, it's going to be a crazy atmosphere at Bud Walton. Give me the Razorbacks, man. Give me the Razorbacks at home. I'm with you because Arkansas is either going to win or they're going to burn down the arena before the game finishes because <laughs> they're going to be just bonkers. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very eager to see. It's a shame that Auburn and Virginia Tech uh, play at the same time as this one because I would love to watch this game. I'm oh, gonna I'm t- gonna watch it. I'm gonna take, <laughs> I'm gonna take Arkansas. As it's well. gonna be a lot more fun than the Auburn Virginia Tech game because as we transition to that, Auburn's going to run them out of the gym. Auburn is so much more talented than Virginia Tech. I don't even know what they're gonna look like, and I don't care. Eradicate Auburn's going to be them. unbelievable. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really curious to see if Auburn plays center Sandman at any point before this game. Oh, 100%. They will. They have to. Can, Auburn's Auburn's gonna win this game by 20. Can we meme going it? Away. Can we play a different song to make fun of them? Is there anything that we could play instead? Oh, I have no idea. Maybe I, I have to think about that. I don't get paid enough to do that, but somebody does. Somebody smarter than me and can come up with that. But yeah, just the Auburn Virginia Tech game. Just, just not excited, man. Just not excited at all about it. Um, the other games: Georgia, Florida State. Okay, uh, Florida Wake Forest could be interesting. Boston College and Vanderbilt could be good. I'm not really sure, but it could be. I will be taking Georgia over Florida State. I will be taking. I will be taking Wake Forest over Florida, and then I will be taking Vanderbilt over Boston College. Just my picks down here real quick. I'm going to take Florida over Wake. I think Florida's going to be better. I think they're going to go on the road, get that win. I think Georgia's going to beat FSU. And because Boston College has never seen a gym like Vanderbilt, uh, Vanderbilt's going to win that one. I'm going to take Wake Forest over Florida. SEC clean sweep on Wednesday. Wow. I'm going to take Florida State over Georgia and Vanderbilt over Boston College. Hour number one's in the book. Stay tuned, though. We'll talk some more college basketball and football when we come back in hour number two.
The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway in hour number two. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. Alongside me, as always, is Carter Bird. And we are joined in studio by Lance Dahl, host of Locked On Kentucky Podcast and contributor for Auburn Daily. If you missed any of our conversations in hour number one, be sure to uh, go and catch up with the podcast. You can find it one of two ways, ESPNAU.com, or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. It'll be uploaded commercial-free right after the show today, so be sure you go and catch up with that at some point today, tomorrow, whenever you'd like. Uh, we talked about some of the additions for Kentucky basketball as they are not in dark times as much anymore. Uh, we compared that to Auburn's roster, the rest of the SEC, what all that's going to look like. Uh, and then we got Lance's thoughts on the SEC AC challenge uh, the matchups that were released yesterday and so uh, some good conversations in our number one and again catch up with the podcast at espnau.com coming up here in our number two we want to talk about an article lance wrote uh, about the top 10 most difficult places to play in college football coming up in 2023 uh, it was an interesting piece want to break it down talk about why jordan hare stadium landed where it did uh, and then we'll have the schedule game coming up here in our number two starting this week we will begin to break down all of the sec football schedules give our predictions on wins losses tell you who's going to be good who's not going to be good uh, so excited to do that as lance uh, i assume will be joining us for uh, most of the summer as long as he wants to come back he will uh, be in studio no chris gordy today uh, he is out this week and next week chris gordy have locked on sec so uh, taking a couple of weeks off he is to uh, do whatever he needs to do and so he'll be joining us uh, right before sec media day so we'll be excited to be talking to him again in just a couple of weeks phone lines are open here at hour number two give us a call 334-321-1390 lance your article on auburn daily of course you write for auburndaily.com and you wrote about the uh, list that was created talking about the top 10 toughest places to play in college football this coming up season uh, the most difficult places here in 2023 and Jordan-Hare Stadium is right there on in 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 the mix of everything as it usually is in one of the toughest places to play in college football yeah Brad Crawford of 24-7 Sports wrote this list up and I think it was a really interesting list you can go check that out over on 247sports.com or if you want to read me write about it <laughs> you could check it out over at auburndaily.com uh, as well I think the interesting thing uh, that I, I believe I noted at the beginning of this little piece here here is that Auburn fans I don't think are ever deterred by lack of success it's like a dog it's just like they keep coming back to you regardless and they're just so excited to see you regardless of whatever happens I mean 2012 was <laughs> was something 2013 though you came back and didn't Auburn well, have yes. like one of their biggest spring games ever with Gus Malzahn right yes because everybody was like 
oh my god it can't get worse please give us hope and there was excitement which is yes. very yes. very relative Fair. and similar to what we're seeing this year from with auburn season football. To, from season to season i'm 100 percent with you but i mean i i walked out of an auburn game in the first in the i think first quarter against a&m in 2012 I, i'm saying i'm saying like the the off season like the tur- turning the page Agreed. within the season like auburn fans were checked out until car carnell williams took the the head yeah. coaching position and you absolutely it, like, and then it was just boom that yep it was oh. just all of a sudden reignited Amazing. again that texas a&m environment crazy crazy for game for two three and five teams i just remember going back and watching the replay because I, I was i was in the press box i remember going back and watching the replay i'm like this is louder than it felt there like yeah. what the heck is it was it? crazy it was uh just a, a wild environment and so for for auburn fans this year regardless of how many times that brian harson just smacked fans in the faces with just disappointment and mm-hmm. blow out losses against teams that you should compete against Auburn with Hugh Freeze has started to build some momentum this offseason, and I think fans are genuinely excited again. And yeah. to go on to that, Auburn announced today that they broke their record for all-time season ticket sales for Auburn football. Is this true? Like, yes. Like, is this for gen- for is- a, sing- a single season, the most season tickets they have ever sold. Ever. I'm, I think that's, that, that's awesome. If, if, that's the, if that's what the university is saying, I, just, I, I, some, I sometimes... I have a hard time believing it. I haven't seen the numbers, but I mean, if they say it, then we'll we'll run with it, you know. Fair enough. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I I get why you're skeptical, uh, but I mean, you always have schools that put out numbers and stuff and stats that uh, paint them in a more favorable light yep. than uh, you would see hmm. elsewhere. But if that's the case, we can understand sure. why, given all of the hype, given the the work and success that's already happened off the field for Hugh Freeze and the staff, you can understand the excitement for Auburn fans to get back to Jordan-Hare Stadium this fall as we are I think uh, you 60 will have a huge crowd for UMass. five days yep. away. And a I- huge crowd for UMass, and then your next chance for a huge one is Georgia if you're, if you're what, 3-1? and one, four If and you're 4-0. Oh. Oh, Texas A&M. It's going to be very, very loud. But I brought this up before, and I'll bring it up again. It's going to give me real shades of 2021 Auburn-Georgia, where Auburn was, I think, 4-1 and one going into that game. And you had the crowd. Everybody's there, super hyped. Cam Newton was there. Bruce Pearl had his shirt off. Uh, Matty Pruitt was with him. And, it was, and then it didn't go well. It was Joker from the jump. Because it was Brian Harson team. Yeah, and I, I'm not sitting here saying that Auburn doesn't have season ticket sales this offseason. I think that there's certainly something that's uh, certainly there is Auburn excitement. Auburn sold zero season tickets. <laughs> I'm just sitting that's here saying you would, you would expect a, a record to be broken like post a national championship, post an SEC championship run, post something good happening. It's just kind of surprising that, that the record has been broken this offseason is all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. But you can hear, I mean, we hear it every day on this show and on this station, the excitement that Auburn fans have when he was hired and, and what he's been doing in the recruiting yeah. trail and in the transfer portal. I mean, there are it's, legitimate reasons for Auburn fans to be excited this year and buy season tickets and actually go to the games. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the fan base is definitely warmed up yeah, to, to this staff, to Hugh Freeze, Oh, no doubt. So, and hey, the way success will quiet a lot of, of doubters. Oh, yeah. I mean, if he goes 8-4, and 9-3 and three this fall, you're gonna have a lot of people on board. I'm talking a lot about of the ready to go success he's already had. Yeah, well, I uh, agreed, but but I'm saying to build on that even more, if he has a successful first year, you're gonna see it just compound on itself and more and more momentum. It's gonna be, 
it's one of my favorite analogies to go to that snowball rolling down a hill it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger you guys talked about that Auburn Georgia game and Jordan Hare Stadium was seventh on that list by the way and yes. I don't think we've mentioned that yet Jordan Hare landed seventh on the toughest places to play in college football list I have one thing with this list that they got absolutely right and one thing they got absolutely wrong spit absolutely right thank you Brad Crawford for acknowledging the most overrated home field advantage in college football, the 12th man. Mm-hmm. Place is not, it's not scary, it's not intimidating, it's not even that loud. Yep. And, and they act like it's a big deal. They're not that good at protecting home field there. I'm very glad that somebody else agrees on this. Auburn it, walks in there and wins all the time. It's, yeah. it's not. Might it, do it this year. It's not a, it's not a scary environment. It's what? not. It's not. I, I've, I've been, and like. They have like a fan code of conduct that you can't boo opposing players and stuff. And it's like, y'all are so bizarre. Yeah. And this is so, like, this is why you're never going to be a truly elite environment in comparison to Jordan Hare, to Death Valley, to the Swamp. Heck, I think an underrated one right now with the success that they've had here recently, and they always get skipped over. Georgia's a pretty good one right now. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, that's the one you hate. What's the one that you – or that's, that's the one you one, agree that's with. That's the one that he got absolutely right. What's the other one that you disagree with? Brian Denny's not fourth. I agree. Brian Denny's not fourth. I agree. Like, just because they win a lot of games at home, are they winning it because of the environment, because of Brian Denny? Or are they winning it because of Nick Saban and because of the talent on the team? Yep. Because I've been to Brian Denny a few times, and – it doesn't impress me. It's a I've cool seen stadium. That fan base, that fan base, they they watch football games like you see European fans watch tennis. It's like, oh, like that was a very satisfying play. <laughs> Golf like, clap. That was great. <laughs> All right, we're gonna beat this team by twenty eight. But like, yeah, I can agree with that because that's just the mentality of the fan base when you have this amount of success, and it's not even necessarily the fan base's fault because any fan base, if you dominate the sport like that, would kind of get that mentality. You get bored. I agree with you. It's a social event. I, I I agree with you, but I will play devil's advocate here for a second. They do get two revenge games, so to speak, with Tennessee and LSU this year. Those games will be fun environments. Which is important to note because this list was toughest places to play in 2023 for games coming up. And so you're right. Alabama, when you look at their schedule, we've talked about this in the past. It's still not fourth. I'll I'll say this. I think it's really funny that Penn State is right above them and Penn State's home games are West Virginia, Delaware, Iowa, UMass, Indiana, Michigan, and Rutgers. Michigan is the only game. Yeah, it's the only game. I mean, the West Virginia game should be okay, but Mm. like it's it's not. Question for you. Hit me. What is that environment like for those two revenge games if oh. they take an L to Texas and take an L in College Station to Jimbo Fisher and, and good old Petrino? I'll the, say they don't lose both they, of those if games. They, it, okay, so, if so they do. Right, right now, looking at it, their hard games before the Tennessee game, Texas at home, Ole Miss at home on paper, it's not going to be in reality, and at A&M. <laughs> They almost lose to AM every time they play them. It doesn't matter how bad AM is. I will, Last year, AM almost got them. 
I, yeah. I will say the Tennessee game, regardless, I think is going to be a good environment. If they lose both of those games, the LSU game may not be as exciting as it would have been. Yeah, The but Tennessee I just, game, I think, is going to be important. I think the Tennessee game will be important, and that's what I was going with was the fact that Alabama, their tough games they have at home, which I think is why you can see Brian Denny in this top 10 of toughest places to play in 2023. I don't think it should be as high as it is. And I think Jordan-Hare Stadium is going to be really loud and rocking because you have Georgia, you have Alabama. And speaking of that Georgia game, I just pulled up the, the schedule for that week in college football. If Auburn and Georgia are both undefeated going into that game at 4-0, and you could see a college game day come to the Plains because Ooh. that week there's not a whole lot of crazy matchups. There's just really not. You have A&M Arkansas, okay. Florida, Kentucky, okay. Alabama, Mississippi State, you have the Big Ten schools are all playing uh, lower-tier talent. Michigan's at Nebraska, Penn State. Sorry, Carter. They're at Dude, Northwestern. You're going to get I mean, Michigan-Nebraska if Nebraska's undefeated. I'm sorry. The, the ESPN can't resist. They can't, I mean, Clemson-Syracuse? No. I mean, there's no good Kansas-Texas. They're not going to do that again. Uh, I mean, it's just... I don't see any matchups on this list in week five in college football where if Auburn and Georgia are both undefeated 4-0, ESPN College Game Day would come to Auburn. They would, and there's nowhere else they would go. This is a very, very, very random side note. I miss Vern Lundquist, man. I miss whenever you have like the CBS games, whenever for the, for the big ones like the Alabamas and the Georgias. I, don't, I will not miss Gary Danielson. I liked Vern. I liked Vern. Hmm. I Here's, mean... Oh, man. <laughs> Oh man, I, I don't have any comments. I, I don't. <laughs> I see the stupid path to making this into something that it has. Say Colorado oh, somehow God. beats TCU and Nebraska, even if they lose at Oregon. Oh, I missed that one because of Deion Sanders. USC at home against USC. They they would make that game. Oh, you better believe and it. USC would beat them by forty. They would. It, if Colorado is undefeated and USC is too, they would definitely go to USC Colorado. But if that does not happen and Auburn beats Texas A and M and they You're beat also Cal on Kansas at Texas, I'm just saying. Just, just saying. But they went. They've done that game, right? They did that game Ruffles last game year. Game day. <laughs> Kansas has a game day since today. Oh seven, maybe. college game day. We're seeing the Kansas Jayhawks take on literally anyone. I'm just saying Auburn Georgia could happen. I think it, it definitely, could happen. No, no, I agree with you. I think it definitely could. You know, I think it's okay that we all don't agree on Vern because some of us have certain, you know, play-by-play announcers that we love, some that we hate. I think it's okay to love and respect certain ones and then absolutely despise others. It's perfectly fine. I may have a sneaky one. Give me a second to uh, look it up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also, you were Say- wrong, by the way. I knew I wasn't. Wrong. I knew I wasn't wrong. Kansas hosted game day last year when TCU walked in. Yeah, but not, but but not against Texas. I'm just saying in general, Kansas has had a college game day. Now that yeah. game is at Texas, That's true. but still. Yeah. Now, let's just get a little wild here. Oh gosh, Duke, wait. Does this include a group of five team? No. Okay, never mind. Duke pulls a week one upset over Clemson. Heck yes. Duke is a going to be a good team. The the turnaround. With Elko in year one to go from a three win team to what an eight nine win team, whatever they yep. were, they've got Riley Leonard. They, I think, in that matchup, and I said this before, Klubnik might be a better quarterback over the entirety of the season in twenty twenty three. But that but one in game, that game, week one, Riley Leonard's going to be better than he is. But the pro- and it's it's in Durham. If they win that game, they're going to be undefeated hosting 
Notre Dame. But the problem oh. is, you know who Notre oh. Dame plays the week before that? They played like the, the Buckeyes State. of yeah. Ohio State. Yeah. And they're going to lose that game by 21. So they're still going to be ranked. I, like, I don't know. Like, how many chances do you get to go to Durham, North Carolina for game day? Well, here's the question. And, and I feel like in, in the way that they do game day these days, they do seek out, like, we're somewhere unique and different we can go. Which is fair. Which is fair. But if you have a chance to go to two 4-0 teams playing in the SEC, and this is the question I'm going to ask because this has a lot to do with it, if Auburn starts out 4-0 beating Cal, which a lot of people don't think they will, which is dumb, and then they beat Texas A&M, is Auburn a top 25 team when Georgia comes to town? Yes. Yes. If Auburn loses to Cal. If you go to A&M and beat them, yes. Right. I, I will be a very I would be a very shocked participant I will be shocked but if Auburn can at least go and compete and they lose in like a close game last minute drive it's like okay you could I could talk myself into that being okay but if you go and get dominated by Cal that's going to be a bad situation but where I'm going with this is if Auburn were to start 4-0 Georgia start 4-0 you'd think Auburn's a top 25 team ESPN has a chance to come to game day at Auburn with two top 25 undefeated. I think they would probably go to to Auburn but there's a couple of out there scenarios like that Duke Notre Dame matchup if they're both somehow undefeated or if Colorado has somehow drugged themselves to 4-1 to host USC Mm -hmm. they'll they will ESPN do that. will look for an excuse to go to Colorado for game day. Yeah. But also, I just because I was hypothetically curious, I wanted to see what Arkansas's path was to that week to see if maybe there was a fringe chance that Arkansas A&M was that. Do we know about the just gauntlet that Arkansas runs from week three to their off week? It's brutal. That's a good time. It's brutal. BYU at LSU, A&M at Ole Miss, at Alabama, Mississippi State. Yikes. Beautiful. Yikes. Injected as, in as much as I think Arkansas has a chance to be sneaky, like kind of a plucky team in the SEC West this year, they're going to get run in that stretch. Plucky as in 4-8, and eight, boys. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> no, because they no, play because, one of the hardest schedules in college football. They're, they're going to beat Ole, Ole Miss. Miss. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to beat Ole Miss. All right, 5-7 yeah. and seven, then. My bad. Well, They're, they're going to be Ole Miss and Florida and – all they have to do is beat Western Carolina and Kent State, and there you go. There Arkansas, you go. Your four wins. It's such a weird matchup. That's such a, is, it in, is it in Gainesville? It is in Gainesville. The uh, week, before, be the so week before Auburn goes to Arkansas. It's going to get funky, man. That's going to be a weird game, I'm calling it. Trivia question. When's the last time Arkansas went to Gainesville? Got to be. Got to be. I want to say... I'm going to say 2012. I'm going to say it was a couple. I'm going to say like 2014. We'll give you the answer when we come back. We'll also get to the phone lines. 334-321-1390 here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's get to the phone lines once again here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. Dak, you're on the line, man. What's up? Hey, guys. Good to hear from you. Yeah, good to hear from you, man. Now, you guys, you know I love you guys. Y'all are a lot more confident in this Auburn team than I, I am. They're going to have to prove it to me after a couple of games before. I mean, it. 
that Texas A&M game's going to be a killer yes. now. It's oh, gonna yeah. Tough. It's going to be tough. And we were talking in the hypothetical, if Auburn wins at Texas A&M, I think they can. They're going to have to prove it. It's not going to be easy by any means. But I, I'm I mean, also, I, I haven't been sold on A&M my entire life since Jimbo Fisher got there. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up, and you're right. But if he truly turns the offense over to Bobby Petrino, I'm telling you, they're going to be the surprise team. He is a genius at offense coordinator. And I know a lot of people may not agree with that, but uh, I'm telling you, look, when he was offensive coordinator, what he did. And yep. if truly he turns it over to him and he runs the show, it'll be a totally different Texas A&M ball club. I think, I, I think that's fair, but, but my, my question to you would be, so with the growing pains of handing over the offense to, to Petrino – Against a Miami team that's has to be better and has a lot of talent, how are they going to handle uh, going on the road to Miami in week two? Are they going to go into Miami and get that win? Because I think that no, alters the, that, the tra- trajectory of this season for A&M. You're right. It's going to be a tough game. Uh, you know, it depends on their quarterback. If, if his quarterback – I think uh, Wigman is going to be good. They got I think a chance. I think Wigman is a guy who I think has a chance to be a pretty high-level player. I don't think he's going to be an elite like pro prospect ever, but I right, think he can be I, a a very very solid to to pretty good college quarterback. But Dak, your your point about the big question is if Jimbo Fisher can truly turn it over, right? Can he right. can he let go of the reins and step back and be what we've seen Kirby Smart become, which is the CEO as a head coach, right? You just right. you hire your coordinators, you trust them, you let them do their thing. I think Jimbo right. would be a better coach in that role, but you just it's hard for a guy like there, that to give no it up. Doubt. There's there's no doubt he would be, but the thing about it is you got coaches like him with egos that are so strong, a lot like Gus, that they cannot turn it over fully to yes. anybody. Mm-hmm. And they've been they doing it for so long. They have their hands on it. Yep. That's right. And I'm telling you, Jimbo has screwed himself out of probably several chances of being in, you know, at least the Final Four uh, oh, yeah. several times. Oh, I 100% agree. And <laughs> he's gotten paid, though, don't you worry. Dak, yeah, if, if, it, if it, they aren't relaxed. ready, if they aren't ready to roll when this season starts, there's a chance that it, that it could be ugly for them in that in that first half of the schedule because they're at Miami, they got Auburn, they got the neutral site game with Arkansas, Alabama, and at Tennessee. They have yeah, Auburn, Arkansas, Alabama, and at Tennessee all in a row. If they don't, if they don't have it figured out fairly quickly, it could turn itself on its head, and we could be talking about a new coach in College Station. You're right. You're right, and I think that's why Jimbo realized that too, and that's why he had to do something desperate. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, try to save his job. Now, as far as our concern with Cal, I mean, we don't know who our starting running back's going to be, right? I feel I, mean, I feel we, very confident that that we are going to see um, the full running back room on the road against Cal. Yeah, I hope you're right. Um, I don't know how long you know it'll be, but I hope you're right. And uh, and then my other concern, obviously, and we've talked about this before, is the receiver. Somebody, yeah. somebody quick has got to step forward and be that guy. One hundred percent. Right now, we don't have that guy. If, but anyway, I'll I'll hang up. And listen to you guys. 
Have a good one. Yeah, appreciate the call, Dak. Always good to hear from you, man. Hope you're doing well. Um, look, look, their game on the road at Cal, and I, we're up against the break. We got about a minute or so, but I just don't think Cal's good. Uh, that's all. the thing. Cal is not good, but you are on the road, and you're going across the country. I mean, you are you're flying across the country to take on a Power Five program. Whether you think they're good or not, it is what it is. I yep. mean, you are going. It'd be the same thing if Auburn was going to Rutgers. Like I would still, you'd still have to take it with a grain of salt because you're know. going on the road. P- Piscataway actually scares me a little bit. Uh, Berkeley does not. Yeah, but I I think if if this season. To Dak's point, if this season does not, if it's not better than six and six, like if it goes poorly and it's a very slow incremental step up, step up from five and seven last year, what that says to me, what I would look to for being the big issue, issue would be nobody stepped up in the in the receiver room and Peyton Thorne wasn't what you thought he was going to be. Yeah, because I think the defense is going to be pretty good. And I think the offensive line is going to be improved. And I think Auburn's going to be able to run the football. This offense with Philip Montgomery and Hugh Freeze will birth a solid receiver. One of these guys, shorter hooks, whoever. If shorter it may can be. stay on the field, I think he might put up some stout numbers. And you could see Burton grow as the year goes on yeah. too. Yeah. This offense will make a receiver look good. Yeah, and I think it's it's fair for Auburn fans to have high expectations, but not super super high because again. It is year one, and there will be some growing pains. We'll talk some more about that, plus schedule game coming up on the other side here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goetz. He's Carter Bird. We're joined by Lance Dahl in studio of Locked On Kentucky and Auburn Daily. Going to do the schedule game coming up in just a few minutes, but want to get uh, to the phone lines one more time. 334-321-1390. Terry, you're on the line, man. What you got? Good afternoon, guys. I'm telling you, Auburn ain't going to get blown out any time this year. That's why they're going to go 8-4, and four, and you can see where the direction of the program is headed. That's what you'll be able to see. Nope. Yeah, I, I like mean, it. I think they're going to compete in every game. I think you and I and Carter disagree with this. Uh, I think the Georgia game is going to be a double-digit win for the Dogs, but I think Auburn will compete, and I think that will be a huge turning point for this team. I mean, I, I'm not saying that Auburn's not going to compete, but I just I don't think Auburn can hang with that no. Georgia roster. Well, you remember Terry thinks Georgia is going to oh, lose. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, well, I do. I, th- I, th- I don't think Georgia's going to be near as good as y'all get them credit for being. I don't. Well, I think they're going to miss some of the things they've had. I really do. I'm, well, I mean, they've still got Brock Bowers, who's – the best automatic. Uh, tight end in college football. And, I mean, mm-hmm. they, they've got talent to burn, especially in the trenches. They're mm-hmm. they are doing the best job of replacing that talent in the trenches, and that's why you're seeing the, the subtle decay of the Alabama dynasty because those guys aren't in Tuscaloosa anymore. They're in Athens. Well, when I was living in Birmingham, I heard for year after year after year how every defense was going to be better than the 92 defense for years afterwards. So I don't put much stock into that. Um, I'm glad to hear what you and Lance said about Texas A&M because I think that's very, very – look, they're doing the most the most volatile fan bases on, on ESPN this week, and there's another professional, but they're doing the Philadelphia Eagles. Guys, the Eagles have a jail sale in the in the bottom behind the stadium. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean, how bad man, it gets. Philly fans so. are crazy, man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Lance, I want to ask you a question um, about Kentucky basketball. Yes, sir. Um, 
Were you surprised? I was shocked that 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 Oscar Shewitt didn't get drafted. Yeah, so I this has been like a year-long-plus conversation on the show that I've been having just back and forth as to whether or not he would, and it came down for me, I was not, I was not, I was disappointed, but I was not shocked because of the lack of versatility that he showed in his game during his time at Kentucky. It's just, I don't think that there were a lot of, of NBA teams that wanted to, to take a chance on a guy that can't shoot from, from outside the free-throw line and also has a lot of trouble defensively when it comes to pick and roll assignments communication and I'm not saying that there's something wrong with him I'm not saying that he's stupid I'm just saying there were a lot of lack of there, there was not a lot of defensive IQ displayed by Oscar Sheba at a lot of different points over the, his two years at, at Kentucky so it was a lack of versatility but I, I do agree the the rebounding exclusively should have gotten him a, a stronger look, I think, than some of the players that got drafted in the final few picks of the uh, of the uh, of the draft here. But it wasn't it wasn't a big shock to me just because of how I, I think the NBA is looking at his uh, at his uh, talent here. Now, did he get tried anywhere, Lance? He he did have a few different workouts. I can't remember where, but he I think he had a workout with. Uh, I think he had a workout with the Bucks. I'm pretty sure he had a workout with the Hawks alongside Casey Wallace, if I'm not mistaken. He got he got a few. He he, mm-hmm. he, did, he did get a few in there. Um, I personally would have liked to have seen him go uh, go to the Grizzlies or or to the Bucks, actually, where another Kentucky player, Chris Livingston, ended up going as the final pick. But uh, there were several places across the NBA that run a grit and grind physical type of system that could have used him off the bench. I think, and uh, it's disappointing that he didn't get picked up. Yeah, no, I mean, I can't remember how many draft picks are exactly in the NBA draft because it's like, what, between 50 and 60 or so, I guess, around right. 60. So it, it's normally, I believe, y'all can correct me if I'm wrong on this, it's 62, but this year two teams forfeited their picks, so it was 60 in total. You're going to have a hard time making me believe he wasn't one of the best 60 players in the country, but we know that's not how it works. Yep, and then uh, other, another center, Drew Timmy, uh, did, did not end up getting drafted. Another very so no-go from UConn. Yeah, and then the guy from, uh, and then the, like you mentioned, the guy from UConn, Adam Sanoga. So, so, yeah, there were a lot of different big men that were very, very uh, dominant in college basketball this past season that the NBA just didn't decide to pick up. It was very interesting. Well, I heard the, the guy from uh, from um, Purdue, by the name, got drafted in this draft. He was had yep. some very low ratings. That's hard to be really to the time of last year. I thought he was the best center in the country. Yeah, it's really hard to be seven foot four and not make your way into the top to, into the two rounds of the NBA draft. And he's coming back to Purdue this year, so maybe uh, maybe another try with the boiler boilermakers will uh, will get him drafted. Yeah, now there's good news. <laughs> for, appreciate for the, it, guys. Yes, sir. Appreciate appreciate call, Terry. Good to hear from you, man. 334-321-1390. Some good questions about uh, Kentucky basketball for Lance Dahl, host of Locked On Kentucky. But, gentlemen, let's jump into this thing, huh? The schedule game, as we will do this over the next multiple, multiple weeks, uh, leading up to uh, football season, breaking down the SEC teams in 2023 for college football, looking through their schedule, making our picks, talking about some upsets and all that good stuff. So you got to start somewhere, and we're going to start at the bottom, Missouri and South Carolina. All right, we'll start with the Missouri Tigers. And we were talking about this during the break. The gimme games, we're just we're going to chalk them up as wins. We'll keep our records. I've got a, I've got a Google Doc open, so we're going to keep track of all of this, uh, and we will see how we do. It is late June, and maybe our, our minds will change between now and then, but we're going to have some fun with this over the next few weeks. And so we'll start with Missouri. We'll give them the win against South Dakota State to start off the year. Middle Tennessee coming to town to Columbia. I have Missouri I have a feeling somebody else in this room may be picking Middle Tennessee. 
Yeah, I think, uh, one, I think South Dakota is going to play a tougher game with Missouri than you realize. Uh, You should never schedule a team with Dakota in their name on your schedule ever. Ask uh, Iowa, who almost lost a game to South Dakota State last year, 7-3. to And Lance, I don't know if you know this. It was not a it touchdown. It was not a touchdown. It was Field two goal, safeties. Two safeties. Uh, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful Watch football. Watch the whole game. It was the ugliest thing of all time, but beautiful at the same time. Uh, yeah. Middle Tennessee is going to beat them. Middle Tennessee beat Miami last year, threw for 500 yards or whatever it was. Oh, it man. was stupid. Wow. Middle Tennessee is going to beat Missouri in week two. Lance? <laughs> yeah, I think Middle Tennessee is going to lose this game to Missouri, but I do. I do. I love the pick. <laughs> Uh, I love the pick here. If they can just chuck the... Here's the thing. The funny thing about Middle Tennessee is their passing offense was, was not good, not good yeah. and their explosive play rate was awful. Yeah. Like, it was the Miami game that they just chucked the ball as far as they possibly could. Every other game, just, eh. Yeah. It's not good. When you look at their wins and losses last year, they lost to some good teams, like mm-hmm. UTSA on the road at UAB, WKU. They're going to be frisky in that game, and they're going to... Sneak out a dub. All right. Okay, so 1-1 one and one or 2-0. and oh, You've got Kansas State on the road. That has to be a loss, right? Yeah, 100%. Well, it's, it's, give me it's, Kansas it's State. It's at home, but K-State is still oh, going to just bad. My bad. maul them Yeah, give me, give me K-State. Give me K-State, and then the next game Memphis. against Memphis. And this is not at home. This is at the Dome in St. Louis. What the heck are we doing here? That's what a is neutral this? site game in late September against Memphis. I'll take Missouri, but I don't feel good about it. I'm going to say that they get one of Middle Tennessee and Memphis, but not both. Okay. So I'm going to say that they beat Memphis in that game. I think they're 3-1 and one coming in, uh, into mm-hmm. Nashville the next week. <laughs> in Nashville, September 30th, Missouri at Vanderbilt. Give me the Commodores. Yep. Missouri is losing that game on the road to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, yep. I'm yep. with you. Love it. Uh, home against LSU, we can all agree that's a loss, well, right? Well, no, I'm kidding. Lose by 45? <laughs> yeah. So what's that put them at right now? We have, I've got Missouri, that would be, what, 3-2 and two right now as you go, is my math right there? 3-2 and two as you have South Dakota State, Mid-Ten State. Okay, yeah, so three I've got 3-2. Three. and two. Here we go. This will be interesting. On the road at Kentucky. Not a chance on the planet. Yeah. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah so they're 2-4. They're and four. I've got them. I've got them losing on the road at Kentucky. Home versus South Carolina. I'm going to take the Gamecocks. I agree. Better quarterback, more talented team. Yeah. South Carolina. Shane Beamer. And <laughs> better coaching. Literally point, better coaching. Sitting here at two and five, going to the off week. Eli Drinkwitz is fired. And then you play Georgia. <laughs> yeah, which will be a disaster. You think so? You think Drinkwitz will be fired before the Georgia game in the off week? Because the, the natural break to do it is the off week to, mm-hmm. to give your team a chance. Now, God, the schedule back into their schedules. <laughs> last four yeah, games, is three of the four, unbelievably difficult. Can Lost we, to Georgia. Lose by 60? For fun, can we say the only win here after the bye week is Florida? Can we just can yes. we make that a win for fun? Are you yeah. actually picking that? Yes. Wow. I don't I don't feel confident in it. I just want to do it for the memes. Let's I'm doing it. Because here's the last four games for Missouri. After the bye week where Carter says the head coach will be fired, you're at Georgia, home versus Tennessee, home versus Florida, and then you end the season in Fayetteville playing the Razorbacks of Arkansas. Oh, it's so Jover for these guys. This is, this is That's going to be a brutal what season. What is that, 4-8, 3-9? and eight, three and nine? I've uh, got that a three is, nine, yeah. We have them at four and eight. Carter Ooh. has them at three and nine. Oh. They, they are going to lose one of Middle Tennessee State and Memphis. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Man. the schedule game has produced results. Yes, we are <laughs> off and running in the schedule game. So, Lance, you and I have Missouri going 4-8 and eight in 2023. Carter has them going 3-9. and nine. I think Drinkwitz will be fired in general. Um, yes, after, if he, if he after goes 4-8 and 3-9, and and he's gone at yeah. the end of the year. And after an extension, which is just fantastic. I want to be very clear here. This will not reflect how my ballot at SEC Media Days looks for various reasons, which we do not have to, to discuss today. But <laughs> it, this will be... The, this will be our the on the line ballot. Is there any Lance chance is picking Missouri to win the national no, championship? He might be not 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 Missouri. Not Missouri. I, I know who his pick is. Um, is there any chance before we switch over to South Carolina? I mean, is there any chance that Missouri is not the worst team in the conference this year? I think they've got some fun skill Vanderbilt, position players. I mean, Vanderbilt. I think you've got you've got a awesome battle for worst team in the league. Win totals may not all match up. Uh, I think Florida's going to be horrendous. I think Ole Miss is going to be sneaky, god-awful. And then I think Vanderbilt, obviously, is in that conversation as well with them. Mm. Uh, yeah, I just don't know. I, look, Like you said, Lance, Missouri's got some some exciting skill players. I just They just don't have the talent. And on man. top of that, they had a top-four defense in the league last year. People forget that. Yeah. Now, will that carry them to wins? I don't know. <laughs> still got to score. Still yeah. got to score, and you still have to stop yeah. offenses like LSU, Georgia, Tennessee. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable. They have a – not only are they not going to be good, they just have a really tough schedule. Kansas State and LSU as your crossover in Arkansas. Like It's just – it's going to be – it's going to be rough for and Missouri and in your, 23. And your quarterback is – I mean, at best, Brady Cook is the eighth, ninth best quarterback in the league. Yeah, and that's stretching. he's not good. Yeah, that's a stretch. Too, he's not I think. better than Thorne. He's not better than whoever Alabama trots out there. He's not better than Milton, Rattler, Jefferson, Daniels. Heck, I don't think he's better than Mertz. Can we start running through the backups here just to see <laughs> where does he truly run? They're gonna turn to Tommy Locke, Drew Locke's brother. There's wait, is, is he real? Is that a real person? Yeah, Tommy Locke. Oh my gosh! Wow. Well, rough he looks season. Like Drew Locke's brother. Rough season incoming for Missouri in 2023. We'll take an early break. Come back. Talk about South Carolina quickly as we are running through the schedule game for 2023 in college football. We'll be doing it all summer long as the weeks go on. Lance Dahl joining us in studio as we wrap it up on the other side. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7 online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. We're wrapping up the Thursday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goetz, Carter Burr. We're joined by Lance Dahl in studio. Go ahead and plug everything you got going on before we jump into South Carolina schedule game and then wrap up the show, Lance. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore AuburnDaily.com is where you can see all my written work for the Tigers and then Locked on Kentucky, the podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Also on YouTube if you want to subscribe over there. Well, we just went through the Missouri football schedule for 2023. And if we happen to have any Missouri Tigers listening to us we are very sorry uh your no, 2023 not. year is going to be brutal um south carolina though want to jump to this quickly and again when lance joins us in the studio uh throughout this summer we're going to be playing the schedule game for all 14 sec teams looking at south carolina schedule guys it's really interesting because they play some tough teams at home but they also play some tough teams on the road it seems pretty split including the neutral site game that they start off the year with against North Carolina. And 
every time that Carter and I talk about this, I feel like we flip our pick because uh, I can't. Like I know I've picked it both ways already, and <laughs> I don't too. know which one was the last one, and I don't know where I'm going to go. Tar yeah. Heels. I'm picking. I'm picking. You're going North, North Carolina. Carolina. Yeah. Why? Drake May offense. Okay. Points. <laughs> that's a very uh, that's a Jack Hudden type answer. <laughs> Counterpoint. South Carolina. Spencer Rattler, defense, UNC, non-existent. What's up, Gene Chizik? Is. <laughs> What's good, Gene? Can't stop this. Um, I, UNC is a one-and-a-half-point favorite in that game, by the way. Yeah, I'm taking North Carolina, but I think that... Give me South Carolina. <laughs> Do we One team okay, has okay, a defense, okay, okay. the other does not. Boys, we, we, have to, we have to talk about this for just a brief second. The Tennessee game from last year for Spencer Rattler... If you take that those touchdowns out, if I'm not mistaken, Robbie Ashford had as many passing touchdowns as he did last season, or the Auburn offense did. Like, if you take the Tennessee game out, the man was mid. Last year does not define the South Carolina team. You know what? All right, fine. Spencer Rattler, <laughs> Heisman campaign. Let's kick it off <laughs> with a win against with North, win Carolina. Against North Carolina, and the score is going to be 48 to 45. I was going to say 45, 42, but I mean. If it's going be wrong, to be just an absolute <laughs> blowout, like just high-scoring, crazy game. It's going to be so sad if this is like 21-24. 52-48, South Carolina. I'm going to wow. say 72-30. to 30. <laughs> <laughs> North Carolina? Yeah, no, we're, we're from South Carolina. All Can the they, have, okay. they, have they held anybody below, 30, below 35 points in the last, like, I'm gonna, Two years? I will find out very quickly Well, here. while you research that, we'll all give South Carolina the win against Furman in week two. Yes. Uh, any chance? Do you got? I'm not no. picking it. South Carolina on the road no. to Georgia? No, no, right? No. Okay, good. Just making sure we're all, uh, you know, able to be on the radio and know what we're talking about. They held Bonix to 28 in the, in the bowl game and lost. Good job, UNC. <laughs> well, we love that for them. South Carolina... <laughs> After losing on the road at Georgia, they come back home versus Mississippi State. I think a really interesting matchup. I'm going to take the Gamecocks at home over I Mississippi yes. State. I am too. I don't think State's going to be very very good this year. And no. I think changing offenses is going to make it really difficult on Will Rogers. I don't think he fits other schemes as well. Yeah, Watch. that'll be one of the teams we do probably next on the schedule. Watch Rodgers throw like four touchdowns in this game and go stupid. Like, like I think that Mississippi State will lose this game, but... With him on the roster, Mississippi State will end up winning a game that they shouldn't. This is going to – there's no way to make this not sound mean, but Will Rogers has the flabbiest arms of any quarterback I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there is no nice way to say that. You're, you're 100% right. South Carolina, South Carolina on the road. Rogers catching strays yeah, over here. For no reason, man. That's terrible. End of September, South Carolina on the road at Tennessee – no chance. I think Tennessee. It'll be a decent game, I think but I think Tennessee game. rolls. I think I think Tennessee wins. I think a, Tennessee wins in a close one. I have the urge to take South Carolina in this one. I'm not going to. I'm going to repress my gut feeling, and I'm going to take Tennessee. And that gives for me that puts South Carolina at three and two before Florida comes to town, which would normally be a more difficult game to pick, but. I like South Carolina. I do. I like South Carolina to put yeah. up some points against Florida. Yeah, I love you, how you, you said that see. like it was a debate. Like South Carolina's going to win this because game because in the by past 21. it would be. They're going to win this game by twenty one. I don't so know. They're, they're not going to win it by twenty one. I'm not Pardon. convinced. I think Florida might have 
Iowa's offense. Carter, next week we're going to do Florida, and you're going to have to pick a game where Graham Mertz throws for at least five touchdowns. <laughs> because this has happened before. You have to pick the game on the schedule where you mean, he goes you mean stupid. The, you mean the first game where he started 14 of 14, went nuts, and he became the Heisman favorite, and then was trashed from ever, every game after that? We're gonna, you have to pick one conference game where this happens. One conference game? Yes. Oh, wow. That's going to be tough. Well, you we already... Utah. Well, I... <laughs> That's not going to happen against Utah. Dude, why why nope. would you, as Florida, why would you schedule the team that is known for murdering people? Like, just going out there and just obliterate. Not why literally. Would you schedule, why <laughs> yeah. would you schedule murder? Why would you do that? Yeah, hey, I don't know. It's going to be a bloodbath. Let's go, cro- be awesome. yeah, let's go cross the Mississippi and play a team that's going to pulverize us. Yeah. So, after, awesome. so after South Carolina plays Florida. I love, I love Utah, by the way. Them and K-State are my two favorite. Not, not Carter's favorite teams. teams to ever talk about on that's this valid. program. And I like, yeah, it is what it is. I Sometimes agree, sometimes I don't. Um, we already picked the Missouri South Carolina-Missouri game. game. I have South Carolina winning. I believe I picked South Carolina to win yes, that game. I think we all do. Yeah, I think we did. Then they go on the road at Texas A&M. An interesting matchup, South Carolina at Texas A&M. I'm going to pick A&M um, just because it is at home. I think they have more talent than South Carolina. I know they have more talent than South Carolina. Give me Texas A&M against the Gamecocks. South Carolina. I like it. Okay. Interesting. I will take the Aggies just simply because of on paper. I like the the thought of Bobby Petrino and and uh, Connor Wegman and that offense getting better. And with the talent, you know, I think that translates to winning more games against teams like South Carolina. So I Next. like I like the pick, but okay. Okay, interesting. Next game, Jacksonville State. We'll all give them the win on that. Right? Hold on. <laughs> no, <laughs> stop. <laughs> on the road at Vanderbilt. Or no, home against Vanderbilt. Home Excuse against me. Vanderbilt. That's a win. South yep. Carolina. Yep, South Carolina. Home against Kentucky. Lance, go first. I, 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 I abstain. <laughs> <laughs> Wait until November and talk to me. I can't pick this game. Kentucky and then Clemson. Both I, games at home. South Carolina. I, I think I like Kentucky. I think I'm taking Kentucky in that game. I, I say this because I just want to make sure Devin Leary's healthy at that point. If year. he's not, Which is fair. all bets are off. Yes, 100%. And then he a is home, coming off a pretty significant injury. Yeah, but that's also the second to last game of the year in November. I'm, all the more reason, like, is he going to hold up through the Fair. year coming mm. off that injury? Four straight home games to end the year for South Carolina. Jacksonville State, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, and then Clemson comes to town quickly. Who wins? Uh, Clemson. I'm going to take Clemson, too. Yep. Well, schedule game. We're off and running. We'll do it next week again. We'll find out what teams. Maybe Florida, Mississippi State. That'd be a lot of fun, huh? Lance Dahl joined us in studio. Locked on Kentucky and Auburn Daily. Go check them out. We will be back tomorrow. And remember, no show Monday and Tuesday for the 4th of July, but come back tomorrow 2 to 4 right here on ESPN 106.7. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.